0: Hey there, welcome to the Snakebird Podcast. My name's Josh. And I'm Steve. Together we invite you to join us as we explore the mysteries of Scripture, the realm
1: of God, and freedom through Christ. So spread out those wings, in, slither in place, because this is Snakebird. Snake hey,
0: welcome Snakebirds to another episode of the podcast. Today's discussion finds us addressing another listener-submitted question regarding the events of the end of Luke chapter 10 and how they correlate with a powerful verse in the book of Revelation. It's a compelling subject or
1: question, and we're excited to dive right into that. Right, Stephen? That's right, Snakebirds. Thank you again for joining us this fine day, and we hope you're ready to get into another listener-requested topic, as Josh mentioned, where we're going to be diving into some really great heart check material, starting with a particular scene in the Gospel of Luke, then jumping all the way to the end of the Bible in Revelation. And I'm really excited to do this one because, for one, it's a listener's request, and two, it's a fantastic subject that it'll sharpen any believer, no matter how long they've been a follower of the way. So buckle up. This ought to be a good one.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And uh, as I'm going to mention... I think this is one of the most colorful stories, just three or four verse stories that you can kinda of act out.
1: <laughs> I can see that.
0: Yeah, and so I've I've heard it a lot in different sermons and I, I think we've got some entertainment headed our way.
1: Yeah. So buckle up. I guess we should read the uh question right off the bat, shouldn't we, Josh? Yes. Okay, so the question is could you discuss the importance of the Mary and Martha moment in Luke ten, thirty eight through forty two? and how it plays into the first love as mentioned in Revelation 2, 4 through 5. And I I don't know about you, Josh, but I have to say when I first read the question, I thought to myself is there a connection there? Because I never really connected those two portions of scripture in my head. Yeah.
0: Yeah, when I first read the question, I kind of got my, like, pipe smoker face going, and I was just, like, (laughs) stroking the beard. Yeah, stroking my beard, going, hmm, you know, kind of like I pulled uh, the verses up on my computer, like, one um, web page, you know, one window browser on that verse, and then the other on that, and I'm like, huh, okay,
1: all right, I'm I'm feeling it. Well, yeah, you know, and As I got into the study, I I realized there is uh, a mindset at play here that separates Mary and Martha in big ways, which could definitely lead to that extreme separation we see in Revelation. So, um, after all is said and done, I'd say bravo listener on the keen eye and suggestion on this, because it really opened my eyes in certain respects to how careful we should be to live out our belief and, and various other things. Yeah,
0: yeah, for sure. And, uh, Anytime that we get to talk about Mary and Martha in regards to Jesus and kind of doing what I would construe as silly things and then uh-huh. just even things is kind of a fun time because Jesus, the way that he handles it is is really awesome.
1: Yeah, it's a colorful scene, no doubt. All of them are. Yeah. Okay, so do you want to go ahead and read, Josh, um, the scripture in Luke? Sure. Luke chapter
0: 10, uh, 38 through 42. Now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha... You are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, there's a few things to unpack here as (laughs) far as not only the scene, but the application connecting the dots all the way to Revelation. Absolutely. But, um, One thing I saw off the bat was um, it'd be important to mention who this Mary and Martha were uh, and also the atmosphere in the scenario. Are you cool if I, talk on that for Please, a second? Please, yeah, you know? get some history. Okay, so from what I saw, the general consensus among most scholars was that this event happened in Bethany at the home of Mary and Martha, who were sisters, and their brother was Lazarus, as in the Lazarus who was raised from the dead. Should ring a bell. Yeah, it should. <laughs> and uh, I mention this because Scripture doesn't tell us for sure the name of the town or the specific identity of this Mary and Martha duo. But from What I could see by some pretty straightforward deduction, it looks pretty convincing that this took place in Bethany at the home of Lazarus, which was managed by Martha and Mary, the sisters of Lazarus.
0: Yeah, yeah. which is funny because it kind of led me to Google... Um, who was the oldest or the firstborn. Oh, yeah. And I couldn't help but think that possibly Martha was, just because of the way it it portrays her, you know, that she feels like the most responsible, Mm -hmm. that Mary is definitely more of the flighty one.
1: Yeah. (laughs) You know, she's kind
0: of like, I just don't feel the need as much for responsibility. And then even when uh, Lazarus has died, uh, Martha was the one that meets Jesus kind of on the road, and yet Mary's over, you know, near the tomb, and and she's just like I'm. I'm more focusing on mourning, while Martha's like I'm more focused on responsibilities.
1: Yeah, definitely two different character types. <laughs> Very much which so. Which are kind of pendulum swings on each of them, uh-huh. perhaps. You know, you could take a little from one and a little from the other and probably have a pretty good character type if you yes. met in the middle. But yeah. um, that's that's kind of the, the direction I, I went as well next is, is just kind of dissecting um, their two responses to Jesus being there and, and all of that.
0: Yeah, I will say in reading, I saw that some even um, portray Mary as Mary Magdalene.
1: Yeah, I saw a few different, I guess, ideas of that. Yeah, Um, there's so many Marys. There is. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, also, I didn't get to research enough on the timeline of this, but as far as the first time Mary and Martha actually interacted with Jesus, um, do you know that, Josh? I I I, know that Lazarus. Okay, yeah, because Lazarus, he was a personal friend of Jesus. We know (laughs) that. But I didn't know at this point in the timeline if that was an established relationship or not. But, um, because that, that might hinder or affect, not hinder, but that might, um, what's the word I'm looking for here that might affect the way they acted, Mm -hmm. um, to Jesus as he came in. Like if this was the first time they met him versus this is the third time they've met him. Okay. Yeah. So I I didn't, I didn't find any, it might not even be known, but I mean, there's no question that they would have heard about him from all over the countryside because by this point, Jesus, he had already fed the 5,000. He had been healing the lame, the blind, the lepers. He had disrupted several Sabbaths by now. So no doubt he was an anticipated person traveling um, who Mary and Martha would have known about when people around town were saying, hey, Jesus of Nazareth is approaching the city. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's one thing I tried to take into consideration on whether they had met him or not. Yeah. Um, Either yeah. way, they were anticipating him.
0: Yeah. And, and it's interesting that you point that out about familiarity and interaction, because you know, the first time you meet a celebrity, you might be like really on edge, whereas uh, if you get much more comfortable with them, you're not going to be as um, nervous or as kind of like wanting to put on a show, yeah. which we'll see. Um, that, just, you could
1: take that right to dating, too. Yeah. Oh, you know? yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Trying to impress a girl, yeah. and then you get, yeah.
0: the next thing you know, you're both farting and front
1: of each other (laughs) you know
0: it's the first word that came to my mind but i'm like it's the podcast we keep this pretty classy maybe we'll be a blooper (laughs) (laughs) nope that's staying in (laughs) awesome so when i read the question from the listener i i noticed that they said um can you discuss the importance of this moment Mm. and so i think as we break it down I felt like the importance of it for me was showing what the priority for followers of Jesus should be. And and that's yeah. kind of the lens that I started to read this through and, and the observations that I wanted to pull out of it from.
1: Oh, yeah. And I, I kind of dissect Mary's r- response and then Martha's after that, but um, – I did want to point out that when they see Jesus coming to their house, they both kind of default to their two different mindsets as far as what preparing for Jesus looked like in their own ways. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're going to jump into is is how Mary did that, her default mode versus Martha's. And hopefully we can pull some application of what to and not to do.
0: Yes. Yeah. And uh, if you're okay right off the bat, can I share some of the observations that I've heard from various teachers oh, yeah. um, in regards to how this might have looked?
1: Sure.
0: So Jesus comes to the house and immediately he's got a crowd. You know, we see that most of the time, whenever he would go somewhere, um, even if it was somebody's home, a lot of people would just start pressing in and they're like, I got a front row seat. Yeah. And so apparently Mary, who's like, this is my home, so I get a front row seat, just goes and sits down while as Martha – is she's like that type A personality who realizes that she's got somebody coming over and she wants it to be perfect. Mm-hmm. And I think she's gotten it in her head that everything has to be away. you know, and I can, I can sympathize with that because when I have people come over to the house, I don't care if it's like a closet. That's where I'm throwing the stuff that doesn't belong, <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> you know, yeah. like nobody's going to see this. It's going in the kitchen cabinet. And my wife's like, why are your socks in the cereal cabinet? And I'm Like, because people were coming over and some of the portrayals that I've heard of pastors talking about this is that Martha is getting raged. And like, she is just starting to lose it because she is trying to make this huge meal and trying to have everything be perfect. And her sister who she feels like should be helping her is not. And I think she's probably starting to make noises. She's probably banging pots and pans. And as she's coming to set the table, she's probably like, huh! you know, like <laughs> huffing and puffing and yeah. like, you know, kind of like the Making uh, those smack mm-hmm. noises. Yeah, a little bit of the, the three amigos like, look up
1: here, look up here, you know, like,
0: <laughs> trying <laughs> nice. to get her sister's attention, like. Murray,
1: you know, yeah. like the classic sibling.
0: Yeah. 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 And and I mean, all the way until she just can't take it anymore. And she probably interrupts Jesus teaching just to ask him like, don't you care? Yeah. You know, <laughs> anyway, I just I've always found this story so stinking comical for that purpose
1: alone. Yeah, it really is. And it, and it cracks me up because I have kids and I, I can imagine this rage that she's looking at her like, help me. That's yeah, That's <laughs> pretty funny. Yeah, even under the breath, like, do it. I will, yeah, I will, do I will it. get you. <laughs> you will
0: feel my wrath later. Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> so whatever was going on in, in Mary's head, I noticed that – She figured the best response and the best way for her to interact with the Messiah was to sit at his feet and just soak up whatever it was um, that brought him to their house. She was just there at his feet. And strangely enough, I couldn't help but think of Jesus' words to the church of Laodicea in Revelation 3.20 where he says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come to him and will dine with him and he with me. And, you know, that verse is uh, speaking of one who is doing what Mary is doing here at Jesus' feet. Not just opening the door, but to dine with Jesus in this way. It's a much more intimate encounter, especially in ancient culture. Um, And that's what Mary's mindset is here. Mm -hmm. And I found it kind of odd that the listener requested uh, the verse in Revelation that was to the first church, which was more of a Martha mindset, while the Dining with Jesus verse was the last church. We got Mm -hmm. this whole Alpha Omega thing going on here. It was just kind of a cool thing. But to get to the point, uh, Mary seems to be in a very healthy and appropriate mindset when in the presence of Jesus. And Jesus kind of makes that clear.
0: Yeah, um with Martha you see right in verse 40 that it says that she was distracted with much serving. And then even the fact that she interrupts Jesus, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Mm. Tell her to help me. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I love that Jesus says, Martha, Martha. I, one of the commentators said, if the, if you ever hear your name said twice, then <laughs> you, they're really encouraging you to listen. <laughs> Pay attention. Yeah. You are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed. And and I thought that was really interesting because some commentators read into that that she was trying to make like this multi-course meal instead of just making something simple. Yeah. And I had never heard that before. Um, I thought that was really fascinating because I always thought of the one thing as like, you only need like the bread of life you know Yeah. you only need one thing like um david said in psalm 27:4 one thing have i desired of the lord that i will seek that i may dwell in his house all the days of my life to behold his beauty and to inquire in his temple and um one commentator that i read i just i've been feasting on this all day is what we do with christ is vastly more important than what we do
1: for christ oh yeah i like that
0: yeah and and just the fact that mary's like i need to take this in versus martha going i have
1: to do this yeah that's a good thing to point out for sure and going back to martha's response I think she probably had good intentions in her heart. The problem is sometimes what we think is best, our best intentions, are not what God is looking for, mm-hmm. kind of like you said. I'm reminded of two verses in that, Proverbs 16, that says, there's a way that appears right, but in the end leads to death. And then James 1, 19 says, dear brothers and sisters, take note of this, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. And in verse 40, uh, it said Martha was distracted with all her preparations. There was a way that seemed right to Martha. And what was right in her eyes was to have a proper meal with an orderly itinerary. And that was what Martha saw as fitting for this encounter with the Messiah. And while Mary embraced being slow to speak and quick to listen at Jesus' feet, Martha became angry that the plan wasn't following her perfect idea of what it should be. Mm -hmm. It's kind of what I got from the scene as I imagined what was going on here. Yeah. And if you think about it, we have a very faith versus work scenario going on here. Um, This is... The very thing that drove the more recent Jesus movement in the 60s and 70s as people were sick and tired of the denominational boxes and properly and orderly Christianity. Mary was all faith here. And though there's always been a place for working in the kingdom of God, for God, like you said, Mary was all works. It was the way that seemed best to her because it was a familiar box. But, you know, Jesus, he was sent to break open boxes. His, his response to Martha, I mean, it said it very bluntly. The way he said, uh, Martha, Martha, you're worried and distracted by many things, but only one thing is necessary mm-hmm. for Mary has chosen the good part. It's it's very clear that Jesus is saying, um, and I know at the beginning we kind of said, take from one extreme swing of the pendulum and the other. and But Jesus is making a clear distinction that one is not right thinking here and yeah. one is right thinking. Yeah. So.
0: Well, it's kind of interesting because I was reading this in the Warren Wiersbe commentary and I wanted to share it. It says, Mary and Martha are often contrasted as though each believer must make a choice. Be a worker like Martha or a worshiper like Mary. Certainly our personalities and gifts are different, but that does not mean that the Christian life is an either-or situation. Charles Wesley said it perfectly in one of his hymns. Faithful to my Lord's commands, I still would choose the better part. Serve with careful Martha's hands and loving Mary's heart. It seems evident that the Lord wants each of us to imitate Mary in our worship and Martha in our work. Blessed are the balanced." Consider Martha's situation. She received Jesus into her home and then neglected him as she prepared an elaborate meal that he did not need. Certainly a meal was in order, but what we do with Christ is far more important than what we do for Christ. Again, it is not an either-or situation. It is a matter of balance. Mary had done her share of the work in the kitchen, then had gone to feed on the Lord's teachings. Martha felt neglected after Mary left the kitchen, and she began to complain and to suggest that neither the Lord nor Mary really cared. Hmm. And um, I just think of Snakebird, and to find the balance between the Marys and the Marthas is a good thing. Yeah. And, and in this case, it's definitely not to be the Martha. <laughs> you know?
1: Yeah, so yeah, it is. And you know, one thing it reminded me of, too, Josh, was the Samaritan woman. Um, she was obsessed with the proper place to worship, Mm -hmm. if you remember. And Jesus told her, you know, a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth for they're the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. Yeah. And Mary was that kind of worshiper that God was seeking, not the usual feast and festival box where, you know, the heart is a thousand miles away. Yes. And that was basically, you know, what I saw in the situation is, is, Martha had kind of that Samaritan woman, this is the right way, this is traditional, this is orthodox, you know, type of thing. Jesus was there to say, I bring something new. Yes,
0: yeah, And, and I'll go back to where I said was I think the importance of it was priorities. Yeah. Uh, I think the key is to have the right priority, Jesus, then others, and then ourselves. It's yeah. vitally important that we spend time at the feet of Jesus every single day, letting him share his word with us. And um, I'll say one more thing about Wiersbe is that he said, oftentimes in pastoral ministry, I have asked people with serious problems, tell me about your devotional life. The usual response has been an embarrassed look, a bowed head, or the quiet confession. I stopped reading my Bible and praying a long time ago. And then they wonder why they have problems, you yeah. know, according to John 12, one and two, Martha must have learned her lesson as she prepared a feast for Jesus, the 12 and her brother and her sister. That's 15 people and didn't utter one word of complaint. Hmm. Um, so, I mean, it's just one of those things where it's like, what is the priority here for us?
1: Yeah, and I, I think that's exactly the priority thing is where we're going to get into Revelation here. But I think that this scene with Mary and Martha is very relevant for us today because we still have this very legalistic versus faith-driven divide in many places across the world. Um, I think a part of that is, is just the carnal nature that none of us are going to shake until Jesus returns. But another huge part of it is the fact that some people— they think they're saved when they're not. Mm. And th- this is by no means meant to discourage anyone out there, nor is it suggesting that Martha wasn't you know, saved or anything. But there's some things, I mean, when we get to Revelation, there's going to be some more thoughts in that, in that realm. But at the same time, if your belief uh, is driven by the proper and accepted box your circle of friends is titled religion, rather than a childlike faith at the feet of Jesus – Founded on a relationship with Him, then we'll see in Revelation that there is a very difficult separation that will come when we see Jesus face to face. So that's that's where I think we need to go ahead and and jump into the Revelation to see how if there's some correlation here where it lies.
0: Yeah, yeah. I I think we've covered this pretty well.
1: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So. Um, I say we read from verses 2 through 5 to gather um, some context here. Are you cool if I read that, Josh? Absolutely. Okay, Revelation 2. I'm going to start in verse 2. This is to the church in Ephesus. I know your deeds and your labor and perseverance, that you cannot tolerate evil people. And you have put those who call themselves apostles to the test. They are not. And you found them to be false. And you have perseverance and have endured on account of my name. And have not become weary, but I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Therefore remember from where you have fallen, and repent, and do the deeds you did at first. Or else I am coming to you, and I will remove your lampstand from its place, unless you repent. So, this is where I was really surprised at how much the Luke portion connected to Jesus' words here in Revelation. Mm -hmm. Uh, One thing I noticed immediately was the wording in verse 2 that talked about their deeds, their labor, their perseverance in keeping sound and proper doctrine. And as I read that, I thought to myself, man, that's kind of like Martha, very by the book, very labor-driven. But but like you were saying, Josh, with the priorities, um, where the difference lies is in the sequence of which we're to grow. Uh, Jesus said in verse 4 that, uh, what he had against the Church of Ephesus is that they left their first fruit, mm. meaning the first fruit was based in that resting at Jesus' feet, where the fruit was in its purest form, that childlike trust, uh, as the Spirit leads 90% with only 10% effort. And uh, Mary was a great example of this This stance uh, that God is pleased by. Uh, Martha, she was kind of 90% works with 10% faith, mm-hmm. from what I saw.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for me, I— This is one of those really scary verses because when you think about the church and you think about all the good things that they have going on and you're getting this letter specifically from Jesus to you, all of a sudden you hear, but I have this against you. Remember how you used to love me? That's not so much there anymore. (laughs) And at first it doesn't seem like it's possibly even rooted in sin until you See that there's an indication of leaving the first love, uh, and, and because of the presence of words like "fallen" and then "repent," and in the at least in the New King James version, it's there twice. So mm. that feels like it is an indication of sin. It's not just like a f- like a, a fading away, but it's actually like a a, a turning away.
1: Yes. Yeah. I agree. Uh, Jesus, he's basically telling us to get back to the basics mm-hmm. because that's that's where it's at. And it's the only thing necessary, um, if you will, from that, that previous uh, portion of Scripture. The with, one thing. Yeah, the one thing. <laughs> yeah. So um, it, it's that fruit. It's resting at his feet, total surrender, uh, the good part that we need to choose every single day for ourselves. And I really think that's what Jesus was hinting at in verse 7. Uh, of Revelation chapter 2 here. He says, The one who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who overcomes, I will grant to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. I think Jesus here is saying, Listen, if you have ears, hear me on this. Mm -hmm. The one who overcomes that desire to believe as they see fit, rather than the way I have given for them to believe. You must overcome that. Simply let me take control. Follow my lead. Uh, It's no different than God's plea with Cain all the way back in Genesis 4-6 when he said, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do what is wrong, sin is crouching at the door and it desires to have you, but you must rule over it. That same concept, all the way from Genesis to Revelation, you've got to overcome, rule over it. And... um, Jesus basically reiterates that same plea with us here in Revelation to rule over and overcome that desire to rest in any other work than the work and commands he offers. And I just found that, that connection so fascinating as I read through this whole thing and discovered the, the repeated concept of choosing rest at Christ's feet over the hopeless efforts to make things proper as we see fit. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yes.
0: Yeah, and you brought up a really good word there because it is choice um, Martha had a choice. And at that moment she was choosing distraction. She was choosing worry. She was choosing frustration, Yeah, you know, whereas Mary was choosing the better thing. And then this church, um, and I've seen this, uh, correlated so many times, um, just as new Testament people have talked about it. This church had a lot of great things going for it. Uh, you know, it, it even reads like one of the new Testament churches that Paul talks about where he's like, he says, I know your works. I know your labor. I know your patience. I mean, um, I think it's first Thessalonians where he says your labor of love, your patience. of," You know what I mean? Yeah. And he kind of, uh, Jesus echoes those same things and it seems like they got it going on, Yeah, you know? And even then, when you get down to the, to that, verse that all of a sudden just is so sobering that kind of sucks all the wind out of the, the room mm-hmm. you're like you've left your first love Yeah, you know and, and I feel like that is um, an indication for a lot of Christians who are on autopilot too where it's like I started doing these things because it's the thing I know I need to do to feed my religious habit or to make God happy and, yeah. and all of a sudden the passion's gone and and you hear about that a lot in marriages and I mean I've just passed, uh, our sixth year anniversary, but I was reading this morning about some friends who were married for 20 years and then just got divorced and oh, it scared the the bejesus out of me because I'm like, how, how does that happen? And, and what happens is priorities get mixed up and then people start to drift.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. It's, it's really, um, uh, something that we have to keep a a close eye on. We can't neglect what's happening in our hearts. I mm-hmm. mean, if we're neglecting the relationship part of of knowing Christ and and knowing God, the the work stuff, like you said, the, I I see that you you have labored well and all of this stuff it it looks great on the outside, but I think sometimes people there's somewhere along the way that it shifts, and they're like, "This is what we do. Mm-hmm. This is why we're Christians. Is because we do these things." Yes. And the reality is, is those things that outward shell that's that's an overflow mm-hmm. of what should be happening on the inside. Yeah. And whenever the overflow gets put in a place where the heart thing should be happening, mm-hmm. that that's when, when things get flipped upside down.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like a natural outpouring versus like a, it has to happen anyway. Like a synthetic versus authentic almost yeah. kind of feel.
1: Yeah. Like a, a waterfall in the mountains versus a water tower. There you go. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I, I that's a good
0: way to, Maybe. well, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, one's.
1: One's artificial uh-huh. and one's natural.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And uh, one is gonna happen because there's a natural flow, and then the other one, you, you have you know, to. That- push the buttons to keep it going. You For know? sure. And, and I don't know how water towers work. But <laughs> well,
1: well, it doesn't happen naturally. <laughs> we know that. I guess, I mean, evolution says it might, so. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> we'll leave it alone. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, no, I and one thing I want to point out is that there is uh, an importance in doing some of the things Martha was doing and Mary. Um, we're not trying to put a divide. Even though Jesus said that, that Mary chose the better way, and I think that that leads to the revelation separation mm. but the revelation scripture Jesus also said it was a good thing the works they were doing at mm-hmm. first so it, it really is that snakebird balance like you mentioned earlier Josh I, and we have to we have to keep a close eye on that and not get it backwards Yeah. because if it ever gets backwards it doesn't matter how well balanced it is no, you know what i mean it's still off kilter it's still done so yeah yeah
0: yeah well and and for me like Again, not the most profound saying that I've ever heard, but something that I've been chewing on and I probably will continue this week is um, it, what matters more is what you do with God or with Christ than what you do for Christ. And and I've had pastors come up and tell me, you know, it, you could never, uh, you know, play another chord or sing another song or, or push another broom for God, and He'd still love you the same. And I know that. And I think that's something that's important to, to maintain because so many times, especially the different types of personalities that we have, you know, some of us are just like, I have to do this. This is the only way that I'm accepted. Yeah. And it's very easy to lose sight of the fact that sometimes just sitting and resting is actually what's the most important thing. I I wanted to share this quote from uh, G. Campbell Morgan. He said in regards to Mary and Martha, If we would be strong for service in the strength that prevents distraction and unrest, we must know what it is to find time amid all the duties of life to sit at his feet as disciples. And I feel like that's one of the healthiest balances we can have in our lives is knowing when to rest and when to receive. And then, like, once our tank is full, then to go out and actually have that be a natural outpouring.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's some fantastic application. And I have to mention, too, we live in in the age of appearances, we, with social media, we got the Instagram and TikTok and all of that stuff, and it's very self-edifying, very picture-perfect. You want people to see a certain angle of you. You want things to be a certain way. And I feel like that's the danger of starting first with the Martha mindset is... Everything looks great on the outside and and you want people to see you a certain way and you take pictures from a certain light and all of that. And so in the day and age that we live in, my encouragement is to just, it is much, basically what you just said, Josh, but concentrate on sincerity in Mm -hmm. Christ and the overflow will come after that. Um, Don't be concerned that people see it, but they Mm -hmm. will see it after it comes. Don't be concerned about the appearances of being a Christian before the the sincerity of being a Christian. So that's really what I land on at the end of this. And um, don't let a Mary and Martha situation evolve into the Revelation situation. Mm -hmm. Correct it back there when Jesus told Martha, Mary chose the better way. Correct it then. Yes. And so that would be my main... um, advice on this. Don't let it, don't let it get to revelation. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And, and I did read one person said that, Hey, if you feel like you've left your first love, whether it might be in marriage or it might be in your spiritual side of things that the, um, the cure is the same. Like go back to the thing that you did in your marriage that made you feel those butterflies, whether it's like date your wife, show up at work with flowers, you know, um, reignite the passion. And then in your, spiritual life, maybe it's like, I stayed up all night praying. Well, when's the last time you did that? You know, yeah. or I, uh, I would just turn on worship music and listen for hours. Well, have you tried that? You know, whatever it might be. I, I read my whole Bible in a year. Well, is it collecting dust or is it something that you're you're consistently putting in the work.
1: Yeah. No, you know? that's a that's a great point and something great to do. And and I will say that when you try this at first, Satan's going to try to hit you hard. Yeah. He's going to try to distract you like mm-hmm. he distracted Martha because he knows when you're getting serious about this. So d- don't try it once and say it didn't work. Yes. Stick with it for a little bit and do those first fruits because Satan will attack you when you try.
0: Yeah. And I said putting in the work, so I sounded like a Martha, but what I meant <laughs> is like, you know, give it due diligence. It's um, hard to
1: separate these two, it, isn't it? <laughs> it is. It is. The balance. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, listener, I hope that that was what you were envisioning when you sent that our way. I don't know if we went the direction you were hoping, but that's uh, that's what I saw in my study corner and, and Josh as well. So yes. uh, please let us know if, if we did that justice. And if you have any more questions, send them in. And anyone else out there, if you have questions, if you have some ideas you want us to jump into, send them to us.
0: Yeah, we've got weird in the word. We've got mailbag. We've got profiles. We've got just regular topics. Anything that you would like us to speak into, please reach out. And we, uh, we will try to get to it as quickly as possible. You can do that by sending an email to connect at basnakebird.com, or you can also hit us up on Facebook. Ugh, I just you, you started saying TikTok and Twitter and LinkedIn oh, no. and all those. So I got like the uh. yeah, <laughs> but um, they, they can be a tool, and that's what we have them for.
1: Yeah, that's right. Thanks for joining us again, guys, and uh, we love you out there. Please reach out. And always remember, Snakebirds, whatever you do, wherever you go, no matter what life throws at you, there's never been a better time to be at the feet of Jesus. And, and be a Snakebird. Bird.